Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Today I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and you're all very familiar, I'm sure, with the first few verses of that passage. And I want to share with you a message today that I have entitled, Effective Evangelism. As the old song goes, it is no secret what God can do, what He's done for others, He can do for you, right? It's also no secret that the answer to many of the ills and woes of this world is found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Furthermore than that, I would add that it is no secret that it is the duty of the church of Jesus Christ to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world around us. Today is Pentecost Sunday. It is a, a, a day that commemorates a Jewish festival day. It's also a day that commemorates the first and the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church. And Jesus' promise to the church was fulfilled concerning the coming Holy Spirit as we read in the opening verses of Acts chapter 2. And you know, people in the church world make many things of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We place emphasis in a lot of different directions with regard to the work in the person of the Holy Spirit. And undoubtedly, and I agree with you, that the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit certainly makes for a good service, doesn't it? It makes for a great time of gathering when we, when we understand that where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. When we understand that God inhabits the praises of his people, then we, we understand how great it is when the dynamic of the presence of God through the power of the Holy Spirit enters into a worship setting. And we're intrigued as we study the Holy Spirit, we as believers, we are intrigued by the gifts and the manifestations brought into the church through the Holy Spirit. We're, we love the power that we gain personally for life and living, but I want you to hear me and make no mistake about what I'm about to say this morning, that the primary purpose for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as we see it in Acts chapter 2 is so that we, the church, could effectively evangelize the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He did not say that you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to have a great service. He didn't say that you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be able to give a prophetic word or a message in tongues or an interpretation. But Jesus said you will receive power after the Holy Spirit. The primary directive for the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses. I want to speak to you today on the subject of effective evangelism. Evangelism is defined as a zealous advocacy of a cause. 
How many of you are excited about the things of the Lord? Do you understand today that you are defined in Scripture as being Christ's ambassadors? Do you also understand the work of the ambassador? The work of an ambassador is that they represent the interests of one nation or kingdom in the geography or the geographical location of another. So by virtue of that definition then today, you and I as Christ's ambassadors, we are here in this place, in this time, in this season of life and living for such a time as this to represent Christ and his kingdom here on earth. And he has empowered us to do so. If done effectively, we should see converts to our cause, right? Believing God for the power today to see increase is the subtitle of this message. Effective evangelism, believing God for the power to see increase. Let me tell you something about effective evangelism. Effective evangelism is modeled for us on the day of Pentecost. We read those first few opening verses of Acts chapter 2 and those of you that have been in church and around the Pentecostal movement for any length of time, you get the little doodads on your arm and the hair stands up on the back of your necks and you, you just get all thrilled at the thought of that, that there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them divided tongues like as a fire and set upon each of them and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Glory, hallelujah. But I want to tell you something that is different in many Pentecostal experiences today than it was in that time and in this narrative. Is that many times that is where the story ends. We came to church, we sought the Lord, we prayed, we prophesied, we spoke in tongues, the end. But can I tell you that Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 is not the end in itself, but it is simply the launching pad and the starting point for what is modeled for us as an effective model for witnessing this world, the gospel to this world. You see, because there came in that hour mockers and scoffers who didn't understand what was going on. All they knew is that there was a bunch of ignorant fishermen and, and sodbusters and whatever else were up there in that room, and they could hear each of them speaking in their own language, and they supposed that they were drunk. Something had to be influencing them. It was something that no one was familiar with. And, and we see Peter then step out. And the next several verses, verses 14 through 39, if you want to read that for your personal study, I encourage you to do so. Freshly filled with the power of promise that had been issued to them through Jesus in the closing verses of Luke's gospel. And again, as we recited in Acts chapter 1, Peter stepped out before that crowd that day. And let me tell you what Peter didn't do. Peter didn't step out before that crowd and inform them about what a wonderful service they were having. 
He didn't inform them about what a sublime time they were having in their assembly hall, but he shared with them the undiluted message of the gospel. In verse 36, we read, and Peter says to that crowd, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. That was his message. And then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What we learn as modeled before us here on the day of Pentecost is that the first action of the early church was one that indicated that what was being experienced on the inside of their church was going to make a difference on the outside of their church service as we continue in this passage. And it says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. I want you to understand that the model is not necessarily the method. And I'll qualify that statement because we in the church world oftentimes get hung up on the method. How we've done a thing and the way we've always done a thing. And we feel like that the method needs to be perpetuated. But it's not the method that needs to be perpetuated. It's the message. And what needs to be perpetuated are scriptural principles and models that are set before us. And what we see modeled here, it's, imp it's not important to note that Peter stood before the people of Jerusalem whose population was swelled many times over because of the number of people in that town for a feast day except for the fact that that was the Lord's ordained moment Space and time, but that's not what's important. That was the opportunity that the Lord gave Peter for that moment. You don't have to go to the city square and start preaching from the courthouse steps and, 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 and do all that because the fact of the matter is in our day, in this hour, that probably will not be effective. That was a method. Try it sometime. Don't let them know you came from Faith Assembly, but go downtown and <laughs> stand on the city corner uptown and begin shouting and proclaiming the gospel. They'll probably think you're crazy. You see, what really happened at Pentecost? The disciples prayed. The Spirit imparted power. The Spirit prompted their hearts to the opportunity before them and gave them the words to speak, and the, they stepped out with boldness. I want you to remember, prior to Pentecost, Peter couldn't even claim Christ before a, few, a little servant girl a few pages ago. But now, empowered by the Holy Spirit, he's able to step out before a multitude and say, Repent. Jesus is the way. And through spirit-anointed and spirit-ordained ministry, souls were saved. 
And my question for the church in 2018 is this. Do we still believe that we can trust God to move in our lives in such a fashion and move through us in such a way as to see a generation challenged with the gospel of Jesus Christ and people coming to Christ and being saved and having their lives miraculously transformed? You see... The reason I stress this point today is because effective evangelism is needed in the world today. It is needed in this world today. There is a reality of moral decline in this world. I don't need to labor the point this morning, but there is no doubt that wickedness is pervasive in our world today. I don't need to tell you about the schools and the houses of worship that are being shot up. I don't need to speak to you this morning about human trafficking. I don't need to tell you this morning about the drug epidemic on our streets that's ruining the lives of young people and old people alike, that's wrecking families and tearing homes apart. I don't need to tell you about the activity of pedophiles. I don't need to remind you that every time you turn on the TV, you see something with so much demonic influence that it makes you wonder who's really writing this stuff. You're already aware of these realities. You see them on the nightly news and collectively we wring our hands and we worry about the security of our families and we wonder what will ever happen to our society. But what the world needs now more than any other time is an activity within the walls of the church, a meeting in which our hearts are so touched by the power of the Holy Spirit that it gives boldness both to live for and witness of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. What the world outside of this room needs is not another government program. It's not another motivational speech. It's not a safe space where their feelings and emotions can go unchallenged. But what this world needs is a spirit-anointed, spirit-empowered presentation of the liberating gospel of Jesus Christ that breaks sin's bond and sets the hearts of men free. But here's the trouble, church. Here's the trouble and here's the crisis point and this is what I need you to understand this morning is that by and large evangelism has been marginalized by much of the church. It's secondary. Secondary only to us though but not to the heart of God. For a lot of people, the sum total of their Christian experience is simply attending church at, or at best they maybe attend church and have a personal devotion with the Lord. Maybe it's their tradition. Maybe it's their way of satisfying their conscience. Or maybe it's the only vision of Christianity they've ever had set before them. But today, church, I came to challenge that vision and to impart a vision to you that says God is still able to affect change in the lives of men and women. If, they, if there's a church that's willing to be submitted to the power of the Holy Spirit and stand in boldness and proclaim thus says the Lord to this generation in many of our worship settings however in accessory prayer for the lost is non-existent outreach to the community is unheard of and the church is dying 
Do you remember in Jesus' day how the religious leaders became upset with Jesus because he spent more time with the sinners than he did with them? That's what we call an inward focus. In Acts chapter 6, we see the disciples combating inward focus. The apostles worked and wrote emphatically to keep the church missional. But by the 5th century, St. Patrick, the apostle to Ireland, had started a great awakening among the Irish Celts. And along the way, he had perturbed the leaders of the British church. And this is what is written of his life. It says, what was the beef of the British church leaders? The British church leaders were offended and angered that Patrick was spending priority time not with the church people, but with pagan sinners and barbarians. Church, I think I read somewhere where our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said that it's not the well who have need of a physician, but the sick. This is not a hotel for the saints. It's a hospital for the hurting. The sad commentary on the matter is that I've had people who have been saved for decades and attended church for the most of their lives who would approach me and say to me, Pastor, I feel like you spend way too much time talking about reaching out to the lost. In this building. And I want to tell you, I've entertained some pretty petty arguments in my time. But that is about the most ignorant statement that I've ever heard come out of the mouth of a child of God. Have you ever heard of a little thing called the Great Commission? Do we not care about the plight, the eternal plight of our neighbors? And the longer I serve in ministry and the longer I ask the Lord to guide me to lead a body of believers, the more he takes me away from my traditional understanding of the function of a church and the more he leads me to look at the New Testament function of an active, thriving body of believers that made a difference in their world. You see, the effectiveness of a church is not measured in its buildings. And I pray to God that the day comes when this front section is filled to capacity, the belts come down, and the back is filled, and they're standing in the foyer to listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But can I tell you that the number of people filling the pews is not the indication of the church's effectiveness. If you want to find out the effectiveness of your church, your body, it is found in answering the question. If we lock the doors tomorrow and cease to be, would it matter to anybody but us? Would the activity, would the light that shines matter to anybody but those of us situated in this room right now? Jesus said a city that is set upon a hill cannot be hid. You are the light of the world You are the salt of the earth. 
It's my observation that the need of evangelism is largely marginalized by the majority of the body of Christ, and I'm not necessarily speaking about this body when I mention these things, but when, when we emerge from the presence of being gathered, uh, being gathered in the presence of the Lord, more often than not, the best we have to share is an accounting of the great time that we had. Who didn't we have a good service today? Yes, praise God. That's if you're lucky. There's a lot of folks that leave out of the place of worship and all they can seem to think, find to talk about are the things they didn't like. But a quick look at the calendar of many churches will reveal an agenda that is filled with little more than entertainment for the saints. We give evangelism a courtesy mention now and again because we know that it's something about which we could be concerned, but we're not really bothered by the lack of conversions. We're not stirred by the lost around us. We've learned to cope with empty, uh, empty altars, dry baptistries, and the constant loss of the next generation as they walk away from the faith. And rather than work to right the course, pray and find ourselves on our face seeking the power of the Holy Spirit, we just developed a rationale for why we don't see people come to Christ. And I don't know what you read in your Bible, but in mine I read that greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. We tell ourselves that they're just going through a phase. And they'll return. But what if that kid going through a phase meets eternity somewhere in the middle and they're not ready? What if that lost person meets eternity before somebody else reaches them? The problem is that we've learned how to compartmentalize serving Christ in a devotional sense from serving Christ in a missional sense. But the deeper issue with that is that there's no such thing in the distinction of Scripture. The go of the Great Commission is not an elective service. It's a mandate. Tomorrow morning, the alarm clock will ring. The preparations will begin. And I will arise from my place of slumber and leave my abode and on my way to work I will come to a church office and you will go someplace else. And I would ask you to never, ever, ever you can call me your pastor. You can call me a teacher. You can call me well, I've been called a lot of things. <laughs> and I tell people, I don't mind being called most anything except late to dinner. I get a little tore up over that. But please don't call me your minister as if there's some distinction between my calling and yours in that regard. Because my coming here to a church office doesn't make me a minister any more than your going anyplace else makes you a minister. You see, the only difference between you and me 
in, sense, in the sense of ministry is the shape of my pulpit and yours. But you're going to go places tomorrow that I won't go. You're going to meet people tomorrow that I can't meet. You're going to influence and leverage relationships with people that I can never know in that regard. The Pastor Jason can never know. Pastor Trey can never know in that way. But God has put you there for such a time as this to speak life and to be a witness and to be salt and to be light. Maybe the real issue is that we've stopped believing in the effective working of the Holy Spirit both in the life of the believer to be an effective witness and in the life of the non-believer to prepare their hearts to receive the witness that we give. But can I tell you, church, the world is hurting. The people that you meet every day are hurting. But I've got good news for you today. And that is that Effective evangelism is is available through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the intended purpose of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Luke 29, 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Jesus said in Acts 1, 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So much of the church's focus concerning the things of the Holy Spirit are the things that we find in Paul's letters to the church at Corinth, the spiritual gifts, the manifestation of gifts. In other words, we want to know how is the Spirit going to operate in my life for my benefit or how our gifts will collectively culminate in having a great worship spirit, worship experience. But I want to tell you today, church, if the body of Christ would stop treating the Holy Spirit like a merit badge to be attained or some spiritual achievement award and more like an essential partner without whom we could not accomplish the task of leading lost souls to Christ, we might just see an awakening sweep across this land, the likes of which has not been witnessed since the day of Pentecost. You see, the power of the Holy Spirit makes effective witness available, number one, to the church collectively. We, 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 want our prayer, we want our prayers, uh, our team prays for, as I'm sure that you do, spirit-anointed ministries to take place in this church and across this campus. We want the presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be evidenced and manifested in our worship. We want to have the very best structure in place by which to disciple people and to lead them to maturity in Christ. And yes, but, but I want to tell you with all of that, there is a greater witness. Do you understand today that there is a greater witness than me standing here in front of you today? Preaching the gospel. Do you know how I know it's more effective? On the shelf in my office, you will find three and four inch binders that span a space about this wide on my bookshelf that are filled with sermon notes that I've written over the years. And they're packed. I mean, jammed full. And that's not even considering that 
about six or seven years ago, I stopped putting things in the paper binder and keep them all on the cloud. So I could feel volumes with, with the notes of sermons that I've delivered in places just like this. God gave the apostles, the evangelists, the prophets, the pastor and the teacher for the equipping of the saints for the works of ministry. Can I tell you something today, church? There is no preacher on earth. There is no pastor anywhere to be found that can replace the ministry that God has given you. You see, the greater witness, the greater ministry, the greater effectiveness is not found in these hallowed walls, but it's found as you go out of this place. You're going to places and you're contacting people that some of us in this room will never see or meet. You influence people that others of us will not. Tomorrow morning you may not get up and come to the church, but that doesn't make you any less a minister. You have a calling to be a witness. And there's a, uh, there's a power that's made available to you to be an effective witness. I want to read you just one more Will Metzger, in his book, Tell the Truth, gives us, this, gives us this little tidbit. And it said, in our world, probably 99.9% .9 of all Christians are not in full-time ministry. And unless everyone engages in evangelism, praying, initiating, and fervently speaking the gospel, not much will happen. I want to tell you something. I read my Bible. And I pray, and I, I hope that you'll receive this in the heart that it is intended. But it's not my fault if people don't come to these altars and get saved. You want to see people get? Go out, compel them in the highways and the hedges. The most effective evangelism model in the New Testament was come and see, not sit and wait. Come and see. Has Jesus done a work in your life? Does he mean anything to you at all? Can you witness the miraculous, life-changing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ or can you not? Do you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? If you don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to witness to the lost, then don't ever speak in tongues again. I don't want to hear it. Don't come to me with a prophecy, a word of knowledge, word of... I don't want to hear it. Jesus said, you... I, I appreciate, understand me, I appreciate all those things. But we've become so fascinated with those things and play in church with those things that we have stuck our Pentecostal heads in the sand while a world dies and goes to hell. 
Are you uncomfortable this morning? Does this message unsettle you good? I'm glad because the thought of people spending eternity apart from God should unsettle us. It should unnerve us. It should drive us to our knees. It should make us be ceaseless in our pursuit of the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to go out and tell this world that Jesus saves. Have you got just a minute for me to cast a little vision? How many of you would be so bold as to believe with me for a spiritual awakening in Pitt County? I I appreciate everyone here and I, I realize that there's almost no church that is filled with people that are just original to that fellowship. I know that a lot of people come to this fellowship via other fellowships. And I appreciate that. I believe it's all in God's design and orchestration. But how many of you are hungry to see some new faces? How many of you are hungry to see not just somebody that you knew from some other place that's been serving Christ for 30 years, but the guy that you saw on the corner last weekend shaking his cup and begging for change. How many of you are ready to see that little girl that you saw going into the pregnancy center whose life is messed up? How many of you are ready to see that addict that you know come and find Jesus and have his life miraculously transformed by the power of God. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. And I want to ask you today, do you believe that our God is a God of extraordinary? Do you believe that? Now, I said, I said earlier that I wanted to see this front place filled up and all of you said, woohoo. And then I said, I want to see the back filled up and all of y'all said, woohoo. And then I said, I wanted to see the foyer filled, and you said, woohoo. We have a couple of services a week, seeing these guys and gals to death. And I'll preach as long as they'll come. But if I were to tell you a number this morning, you'd probably think I'd lost my mind. As I found myself asking the Lord for direction for this body of believers and just asking God to give us influence in this community, I began to stretch my faith and I began to ask the Lord to add. It's what it said of Peter, right? He preached and there were numbers added. It's the history of the early church and they shared the gospel and the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit and there were numbers added to them daily of those who were being saved. Is that, am I right? And I I began to pray and I said, God, won't you give us influence with the gospel? God, I I don't care. I don't, 
Forget whether or not they like our church. I want to influence them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to see this place filled to capacity. Not for me. But because of the fact that every empty seat in this place is indicative of a soul that is lost. How do I know that? Because if everybody in Pitt County attended churches, there's not enough pews in the county to hold them all. I don't don't have any problem with people going and planting other churches because there's not enough seats in this community for the people that are here. The problem seems to be that our only mission can seem to be to divide and conquer. I need about 40, 50 of your folks to take with me. time for us church. Jesus said you'll be fishers of men. So I began to pray about that and I was praying and I said God if you would just let us see an increase and I threw a number out there and God said is that it? I created the heavens and the earth and all the things that are in them and that's it? That's all you're going to trust me for? And the more I began to quote numbers, the more foolish I felt. God, that's ridiculous. God is so gracious. And he said, Steve, since you're so feeble and so frail, let me rephrase this. Could you trust me? one percent of your community to be influenced with the gospel of Jesus Christ through the ministries of this church. I said, well, one percent doesn't sound that bad. Until I went to my office and I looked up the community demographics. And then I was scared all over again. I began to pray and I said, Lord, just give us one percent. Just just give us 1%. My faith was soaring. Lord, give us 1%. And like I said, then I looked at the census data for our county and I did the math. Can I tell you that the population estimates, the latest population estimates for Pitt County is 179 people. (laughs) And then I I figured out what percentage of the population is represented here on Sunday mornings. You remember earlier I said the effectiveness of your church can be answered in asking if you close the doors tomorrow, would it matter to anybody outside of these walls? On an average Sunday morning, 0.14%. That's almost half of a quarter percent. Like when you do the math, it comes out 0.00% one three and some change and I had to round it up to get 0.14 percent and it's not me oh God I love you I, I love all of you you are gracious you are wonderful people I, and I am thrilled to have made your acquaintance I don't believe the heart of God is satisfied with a Pentecostal church 
I said a people who believe in the power, the active power of the Holy Ghost. I don't believe that the heart of God is satisfied. For us to be satisfied with 0.14% of this city's population being influenced for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you? I mean, can't we trust God for more than that? Oh, it's, you know what? It is such a daunting thing, however. Because it's a long way from here to there. You, you realize that from 0.14 to 1% is a seven times increase. So here's, here's how I want to break this down for you. If you've not done the math, and I'm not making any proclamation, I'm just saying, let's believe God. I mean, doggone it, if we're going to be Pentecostal folks and we're going to talk about the power of God, then, then let's believe in it. Amen. Let's believe in it. Stop telling your disgruntled friend that's attending church somewhere else about how much better your church is and start telling some lost soul about Jesus. I mean, if your friend wants to come, that's fine. But they'll probably bring all their trash and baggage from wherever they are over here. They won't like here in six months' time. But let's find a wretch that is in the depths and the mire of sin and lead them to Jesus. And they'll be so in love with him that what's going on here is not going to matter. All they're going to want to do is be in the presence of God. I'm telling you, this world will change. This world will change if people that still believe in the power of the Holy Spirit will bury their face before God and not get up until they've been endued with power with a word of life on their lips and a testimony of the goodness of God to go out of this place and shake the gates of hell until it turns loose some captive folks and sets them free. remember earlier though I told you there's a greater if you didn't do the math on that 1% is 1,790 people now that's a stretch isn't it? but then I broke it down among, among the 0.14% that's represented here on a Sunday morning and I said all that means all that means is that I have to believe God all that means is that you have to believe God to use you to witness to seven people seven 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 people now I want to ask you this is the God you serve big enough to use you to impact seven people. Come on. You see, I, I realize that 1% is above our market share if you take all the churches in Pitt County, but there's a lot of churches in Pitt County ain't going to do nothing different. They're going to sing the same song, stare at the same flower, do the same things they've always done until they all die and the church closes. 
But that ain't happening under my watch here. We're going to be a Pentecostal people. We're going to seek after the Spirit of God. The thing that's going to happen here is we're going to pursue God and we're going to change this world. We're going to impact this community for the kingdom of God. Everybody wants to sing something traditional. Sing, hold the fort. There's nothing biblical about that. That's not God's intent. As a matter of fact, that's not scriptural at all. Jesus never said for us to sit in our quiet, huddled masses and wait for him to come back and deliver us. But he said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. That's an offensive. That means that we're going to be going out, taking territory. Every place that the sole of your foot trods, he's going to give it to you. You're going to go in that workplace tomorrow under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. And God's going to give it to you. You've been asking God to take you out of it, but he put you in it for a purpose and he wants to use you there to influence for the kingdom of God. I'm almost done. Do you believe that God wants to use you to influence at least seven people? That that God would make you a fisher of men that's all it takes church that's all it takes and we could see the wind of the spirit begin to blow we could see the tide begin to change in this community if one body of people gets a hold of the heart of God and like the prophet Isaiah says here am I God send me that's all it takes we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.